0: As the little fuzzy thing that goes on the end of this mic is gone, so if all of a sudden the sound starts coming out weird, that's why. I love that song. The thing about that song is it, it changes levels, so sometimes it's hard to sing. There was a, um, I can't remember the name, it was a worship leader who um, wrote an article once that said, never sing songs that go with raise a certain amount of octaves um, just because it's not, not everyone can do it. But there's something about that song and the power behind it that you're remembering what God has done all throughout history. And that's what it is when we worship. We're not worshiping because we're glad that we're healthy and happy and are in good shape. We're worshiping a God who came throughout history. And God didn't just Come in the good times, God came in the struggle, and we're remembering a God who came and rescued, a God who conquered, a God who sh- showed his power and majesty. And this morning, we're going to see the importance of remembering. We're going to see the importance of remembering God's strength, of remembering what God has done for us as a community, and specifically remembering why we believe what we believe. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for this message. For this message, I consulted um, our church historians, Joe and Joyce, and um, and and Carol, in order to kind of get some history behind our church, and um, I, I think this is going to be a great way to end our series, our mission statement series. Uh, before we get started on it, I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. God, this morning, we are taking specific time in our study, in our... Uh, in our awareness that you have called us to specific missions. We're taking this time to remember what you've done for us, to remember why we believe what we believe, to remember who we are as a community, to remember what you're calling us to do. And so, God, this morning, let the memories that you've placed all throughout history just wash over us. Let it become clear why we gather together on Sunday mornings. Let it become clear why we believe what we believe. Let it become clear the importance of standing with one foot in the past and one in the present as we anticipate the future. God, we love you so much. Thank you for your son who provided a future for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, uh, memories are, I think, one of the most powerful influences into our intellectual minds. They, they really, and, and you don't even realize it, but memories dictate almost every single one of our actions. We, we go to a specific restaurant because we remember someone said it was good, or we remember going there once ourselves and it was good. We, we, we like a specific sports team because we remember growing up and having our family like that team. Um, for example, I don't know why you all like UK, but you all remember that you grew up liking UK, so for some reason you still do. And same thing for me, I remember why I like West Virginia, because I grew up liking West Virginia. We, our memories are a, a powerful force in driving us forward in life. And, and we'll see that in, in our message this morning. And, and I know that specifically through a lot of the experiences I have. And I'll give you one example this morning. I... Hate mayonnaise. I really hate mayonnaise, and it's not because I don't like the taste of mayonnaise. Isabella will tell you she sneaks mayonnaise into everything she cooks, um, and, and I tell her all the time I don't like mayonnaise, and she's like, "Well, you liked it when I made that food yesterday." So, but the reason I don't like mayonnaise is because of a memory that I have about it. When I was, uh, I can't even remember the age. I'd say probably five or six. We were going on a long trip, and my my grandparents had this camper. And it's not like those decked-out RVs where it's basically a house on wheels. It was just, it was a box. And you had a front seat, and then you had a couch in the back. And, I mean, you moved all over the road. It was bumpy. The shocks on it weren't good. It was, like, from the 80s. But we would, anytime we went on a trip, we would take this camper, and we were going on a trip somewhere. I can't remember. It might have been SeaWorld. I can't remember where we went. But I remember we were in that camper for, like, six hours straight, and, and I, we finally got to this point, and when we go on road trips, we don't stop to eat. We just take food with us, and then we stop somewhere and we make the food, because that's how you save money. And we got to a stopping point for lunch, and my stomach was just churning, and I thought it was hunger. And mom made this made a sandwich, a bologna and mayonnaise sandwich, and I just, I wolfed that thing down as quick as possible, and I came to find out about five minutes later, my stomach wasn't churning from hunger, it was churning because I'd been sitting in a giant box for eight hours, riding down the road, and my stomach just did not digest that sandwich the way it was supposed to digest that sandwich, and ever since then, I hate mayonnaise. I I don't, mind the taste of mayonnaise. Isabella cooks it and everything, but I just do not like mayonnaise because of the power of memories. Memories drive us in so much of, of who we are. They, they are the driving force of our intellectual being. And, and, and it's funny how the tiniest detail of a memory can just change everything about what you do. I, I saw this um, post on Facebook. Um, it was this post where someone was saying, "I, I you can't Smell pictures you can 't smell photographs and and someone had posted a photograph of 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 uh, a group in war or a group in boot camp, and said, "Oh, I can smell this picture because of just the experience of the memory, everything about that memory comes alive in your mind. Memories are powerful they they just one little smell, one little taste one one little detail can ignite everything in your mind because of a memory. And so the question, isn't, the question that we're looking at this morning isn't whether or not memories impact us in life. Because that's obvious. I mean, if, if they didn't impact us in life, I would eat mayonnaise. I would eat deviled eggs all the time. But I don't eat deviled eggs. The question is, why are memories so important for the church? What, what do we do with memories? How do we interact with memories? And in that case, why is remembering a part of our mission statement here at Freedom. Because if you look at a lot of different mission statements at churches all over the country, you're not going to very often find in their mission statement the directive to remember the past. But when we were meeting and the elders, Steve and Joe specifically said, and I'm so glad they did, we need to remember. We need to remember our history. We need to remember why we got to where we are. And that's vital for us as we move forward. We've been doing this study on, on our mission. We, we have a vision here at Freedom that God has called us to. Our mission is how we accomplish that, but we can't accomplish our vision if we forget who we are in the process because then we just became a different church completely. We've become a different community completely. So we have to, what I like to say, is keep one, pat, one foot in the past and one in the present and look towards the future so that we're not forgetting who we are. We're not concerned, We're not focused on just never changing and adapting but we're using both the present and the past to dictate how we move forward in the future. And there's, we, we've been doing in this study, we've been looking at Acts, where the early church had their kind of mission, their, their mission statement there in um, Acts chapter 2. And there's not really anything in there about remembering. Um, you could I could probably twist some words around and make it sound that way, but frankly, there's, they're not sitting there saying, in that mission statement, you have to remember the past. Where we do see this, though, is an account in Deuteronomy, and it's an extremely important account. So what's going on here is if you've ever been to VBS or anything, you know what happened in the Exodus account. You know that um, the Israelites were being held slaves to Egypt, God sent Moses, And Moses, through God's power, pulled the Israelites out of Egypt. He brought down these ten plagues and showed the Egyptians and the Israelites just how powerful God was. He pulled them out of Egypt. As they were going out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. The the sea split in half. They crossed it on dry land. He closed the sea down and, and swallowed up the Egyptians. As they are in the wilderness, God provided food where there was no food. He gave them manna. He gave them quail, because as I've said before, God didn't want us to be vegetarians. So he gave us meat in, in the wilderness, and he gave them water from rocks. He provided for them over and over and over and over again in, in this history of Israel. But what ends up happening in, in the end of the book of Exodus and in, in Numbers As you see that these people that God had done everything for just lost trust in him. They saw where they were going into the promised land, and they saw these giant people there, and they said, whew, we can't take them on, let's go back to Egypt. And God said, okay, you all aren't going into the promised land. You're, You're not allowed in. You all will not go into the promised land. Israel will not go into the promised land until every single one of you die, and your kids will have the promise instead. And that's what brings us to Deuteronomy. Because in Deuteronomy, this is basically, Deuteronomy, the, the title of Deuteronomy just means second law or restatement of the first. So this is basically an address by Moses to the children of the Israelites, to the, those who are allowed to go into the promised land to say, listen, your parents can't go because they forgot what God did. Here's a rehash of what you need to remember going forward. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I want to read this entire section in in verses 11 through 20, because it's really powerful. This is Moses addressing the young Israelites. He says, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statues that I'm giving to you today. When you eat and are full, when you build beautiful houses to live in, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply, and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud And you forget that your Lord God brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, scorpions, a thirsty land where you had no water. He brought water out of flint rocks for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers had not known, in order to humble and test you so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me, but remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain the wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers, as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will perish like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. You will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. Okay, so there's a lot that happens in those nine verses there, and those ten verses there. You know, the first thing is we read this and we automatically saying, okay, God, or Moses is just saying, you need to keep the Ten Commandments unlike your, your parents, and everything will be okay. But that's not what Moses is saying at the core. He's saying, remember what God taught you, remember what God revealed to you, but most of all, remember what God has done. And if you forget what God has done, and you start thinking, well, I did this on my own, and you get comfortable in the life of luxury, if you get comfortable in thinking, "Ah, life's not a struggle anymore, everything's all good, I'll just go and do my own thing, you'll lose your faith. You'll forget me. You'll move past me. And you'll move into the things that I'm about to destroy. He's saying, what Moses is saying here is if you live in the moment and think that everything that you have is because of what you've done and nothing has anything to do with God, then you're going to completely move away from God. And he says, if you do that, if you move towards these other gods, if you move towards these other idols, you'll be destroyed. And sure enough, about 600 years later, they were. Because Judah and Israel, these two kingdoms that split off from the, nation, from, from the wandering nation in Israel, forgot God. They forgot what God had done. They forgot what God had asked them to do, and God sent Assyria and Babylon to come in and conquer them. Now, how does this apply for us today? Well, we stated at the beginning that memories are powerful. They impact everything that we do. And the, the first thing that memories do for us is that they remind us where we began. Memories remind us where we began, and without memories, we wouldn't remember why we started on this path in the first place. So if we really want to follow God's mission that he's giving to the church today, if we want to follow these directives in order to accomplish the vision, we have to remember the God that has been there for us since Israel. We have to remember the God that sent his son into the world to pave a way where there was no way. If we forget all that and just say, well, the church is growing because we're doing everything right, or... You know, we're we're building all these nice buildings because we, we're doing everything by our own power, and we forget that everything we do is by God's power. We forget where we began. We're going to lose who we're supposed to be along the way, which is what happened, consequently, to Israel. So, as we remember these things, as we attach ourselves to the memories, there's two specific trends of memories that we need to follow. The first is we need to remember the church, which I'm talking church with a capital C, the church that was established when Jesus went into heaven and Peter and Paul and the other apostles and disciples established it. We need to remember the history of the church, and we need to remember the history of our community, of freedom Christian church. Those are the two trends, those are the two simplifications of what we need to remember as we move forward. And the first one, you know, memories are just basically just the DNA of who we are. And, and the DNA of the church as a whole, the, the best way to encapsulate the, the reason why we remember it, um, I'm going to read from Paul, Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. And he's writing here talking about work. He's talking about being responsible for what you do, for being responsible for your actions, for why you work hard and diligently, and and he's talking about this to the Thessalonians who were really kind of getting lazy, who were not really going all out with observing the things that Paul had taught them, and he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, he says, "'Now we command you, brothers and sisters,' In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the tradition received from us. For you yourselves know how you should imitate us. We were not idle among you. We did not eat anyone's food free of charge. and said we labored and toiled working day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It is not that we don't have the right to support, but we did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. Now, Paul is talking here specifically about work ethic. He's talking about what you're doing in light of the faith that you have. And he's saying, you know, you need, as you move forward, to hold on to the tradition that we set for you. If you don't remember that tradition, if you don't remember what we taught you, if you don't remember what we showed you, then you're going to lose track of what the church is supposed to be. You're supposed to imitate us, but if you don't remember what you're supposed to imitate you're going to get lost. And he eventually goes on to say that if someone doesn't imitate them, then they're basically just supposed to be cast aside and pray for, don't hate the person, don't leave the person away, but if they're not imitating, if they're not remembering the tradition, then they're becoming more of a liability to the church than a help. And so as we move forward in the church, memories, and, and re- re- relying on the traditions and, and all these different things, memories remind us what we believe, as we move forward. And, and I have, um, I brought up some examples here. You know, it, it's hard for us to remember what we believe because there's a long history of where this belief came from. The church began in, in the first century around, you, you could probably say the church began around 40 A.D. That's when it started gathering in, in small gatherings. And then around 100, I mean, it started exploding and expanding. And, and there's a a huge history of, of of the church throughout the last two millennia, and I have. I love church history. Here's a giant book here that has church history in it. Here's a giant book here that has church history in it. Here's three more books that have church history in it. Oh, super expensive. Super a lot of well not super expensive. Most of them people bought for me for Christmas. That's what I get for Christmas. The point I'm making is there are thousands and thousands of pages of books, and just these five books here alone, plus a bunch that I have in my office, that don't even tell the entire tale of our church history. And so when I tell you, when I tell us that we have to remember church history, a lot of times we look at this and we say, yeah, I don't like to read. I, I, I do not want to sit down and read all those. I'm, I'm in taking a class right now called Patristic and Medieval Theology, and I love this class. I've learned a lot from it. But I will tell you that sometimes it is the most boring class in the world because you're just reading and reading and reading and reading. And we don't, we don't want to do that. It seems pointless. Why, why, why do we have to remember all these things? Why do we have to keep reading all these things? What, what is so important about us remembering our history? The reason it's important is because if we don't know why we believe what we believe, when someone comes up to and says, to, and we say, you know, I, I believe that God is three in one. And they say, well, why do you believe that? W- well, because there's three of him in one. And if you can't give a real answer. I mean, you're just kind of stuck up the creek without a paddle. This is why we believe why we, what we believe. Paul is telling us, remember the tradition set before you. Remember why you got to this point and imitate it. I'll be honest, I'll be the first to say, I'm reading right now through, I'm in the 1200s of church history, and there is some dark history in there. I'm reading, I'm like, oh my goodness, why are you all making some of these decisions? So not only does it tell us why we believe what we believe, but it shows us what we shouldn't be doing along the way. It shows us the decisions, the poor decisions that were made, and how we rectify those decisions. It shows us that we need to be reliant on God this entire time and and find his authority and out our own authority. Remembering the history of the church reminds us how we got to where we are today, reminds us why we believe what we believe, and it reminds us how we're supposed to keep moving forward. And I'm not saying that you need to go out and read thousands of pages of all all these books, because frankly... You'd probably forget it all because I've forgotten it all, basically. But what I am saying is we need to be diligent about what we study. We need to be... We need to choose to sit down and say, I'm going to read why we believe the Trinity. What, why does, why, what is the Trinity? I'm going to sit down and read the importance of the incarnation. I'm going to sit down and read what it means to be made in the image of God. Because if you... It's going to come a time here in the next 20 years where people are going to say, why do you believe what you believe? Why, how can you believe that God is three in one? How can you believe that we're made in God's image? What is original sin? And you're going to look at them and say, I have no idea. And then you're going to wonder, well, why do I believe what I believe? And you're going to be stuck. History and memories remind us why we believe what we believe. Now that's the first trend of Memories. It's the church, remembering the church with a capital C. The second important thing about memories is the community. And this is what I enjoyed doing this week. And I I sat down two weeks ago with Joe and Joyce, and I went there just kind of thinking, I'll take some notes, and I was there for like three hours just sitting there talking about the history of freedom. And it was just an incredible time. And I, I want to... I'm just going to give you a brief history of, of our church here at Freedom. We, uh, we began in 1890. It's hard to believe that over 100 years ago, Freedom Christian Church began to meet. And there's a statement from uh, Joe Carnes, who was the elder, and I guess at that time the, he was the Gordon of, the, of, of Freedom, he was the one that took all the notes at the board meetings. Um, And he he wrote this down in 1890. The Church of Christ, worshiping at Freedom in Russell County, Kentucky, we who have our names enrolled in this book have entered into a covenant with each other and do agree to meet at said house as often as we conveniently can and keep house for the Lord and in a congregational capacity shall be known as the Church of Christ and as individual members shall be known as Christians. In the name of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, amen. Now here's the thing. They didn't have a building. They didn't have anyone trained in Bible or theology. They didn't have anyone trained in being a pastor. They didn't have any money. They uh when they did build a building, their first offering to go towards the construction was $25, which I, was probably quite a bit at that time, but after 3 years of 50 cents and 25 cents and 10 cents offerings, they paid off their the building that they had built in 1897 they came together because of a commitment towards a common faith and we see all throughout the history of Freedom Christian Church the same level of commitment and in the 20s and, or in the, in the 30s during the depression people weren't coming and um, there was this lady who by the name of Lenny Holt and Elsie Ballinger, who weren't very happy with the doors being shut and with the windows being broken off on the church building. And so they went out and they called the superintendent of the schools and they threw a pie supper, which I guess is a, something they used to do back in the day. Um, but they threw a pie supper where people came and bought pies, and that's how they raised money to open up the church again. And in the 40s, people started coming back. Sunday school was opened back up. The church began to grow again. And, and it was that resiliency of, of the community here at Freedom and that commitment to Christ that kept it going. In the 60s, in 1966, in the middle of the night, Joe Fees had a knock on his door and said, hey, uh, the church is burning down. And it had caught on fire. And by the time they got there, it was almost completely burnt to the ground. And that very same night... Bunch of people from church came together and sat inside Joe and Joyce's house, and they said, "We're going to rebuild." And so they rebuilt, and the church that we have out there now is the church that they rebuilt, and it or that that building is the building they rebuilt. And they started that on November—I can't remember the exact date. They they started, it, I think, November fourth, and finished it by Easter in March, and they paid it off in two years. They did it almost entirely in-house, because they were committed to this common cause. And that very next Sunday, they actually came together and they met under an oak tree because they didn't want to give up meeting together. Ironically, it was an oak tree that Wendell burned down, uh, <laughs> trying to burn away the poison ivy that was there. <laughs> when when Joe told me that story, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> who who knew that gasoline was so uh, so flamboyant. <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Flammable, yeah. I'm not flamboyant. Yeah. <laughs> the point I'm making is that we have a history here at Freedom. We're committed to one another. We're committed to the cause of Christ. And if we forget that, if we don't remember how we came and who we are, then we're not going to be moving forward in our mission in the way that God wants us to be moving forward into the community. And so I I put together this slideshow, and these are just pictures of pictures. There's this history book that was made um, in 1996. And so some of the people that are in this um, look pretty young. Um, Not that you look old now, but uh, this is just incredible to go through. And there's a couple in the back, as well, if you, as you're leaving, want to flip through it. But I put together this slide, that or this video, that shows freedom from the beginning till now. Uh, just take some time to watch this real quick. Now, there might have been some people that I missed in those, but I was trying to incorporate as many as I could. The point I I wanted to show in that video is we have a long history here at Freedom. We have a history of being in the community. We have a history of so many different pastors and, and evangelists that have come and spoken. We have a history of going through struggle and coming out of it. And the constant theme in that history was a reliance on one another, was a reliance on God. And what we're doing here at Freedom Now is we're moving forward with a vision that we believe that God has placed on our hearts to be a welcoming family to those around us as we imitate him. And we say this is the mission. You know, these, this whole series is this is the mission, this is how we accomplish our vision, and we can't accomplish that vision without remembering who we are without remembering what God has done, without remembering the history of the church, without remembering the history of Freedom Christian Church. Rem- these memories remind us who, are, who we are, and they advance us in the direction of God. I, uh, I want to conclude with, with this passage from Isaiah. Isaiah is, is writing to Israel and Judah. He's, this is a prophetic message that's coming directly from the voice of God. And this is God speaking to Israel and Judah. He says in Isaiah 46, verse 5, "...who will you compare me or make me equal to? Who will you measure me with so that we should be like each other? Those who pour out their bags of gold and weigh out silver on scales, they hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. They kneel and bow to it. They lift it to their shoulder and bear it along. They set it in its place and there it stands. It does not budge from its place. They cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from his trouble." Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. As we move forward in the direction of God, we do so from the memories of what he has done. Memories Place us firmly with one foot in the past, one foot in the present, as we advance towards where God is directing us to go. And so I hope that what we were able to look at this morning encourages you to dig into our, the history of the church. Why do we believe what we believe? Dig into the history of freedom. Who are we? What have we done? What are the struggles that we have overcome? Where have we relied on God? What are we doing into the future as we place ourselves in the past and advance into the future that he desires out of us and the truth is sometimes memories will cause us to plan ourselves in the past and never move forward but what god is telling us is remember what i've done remember who i am remember who you are adapt to the present but don't forget the past because i'm using you in the future that's why memories and remembering is a part of our mission here at Freedom. And I hope that this trip down memory lane was something that you know, helped you remember who we are at Freedom. I hope it encourages you to remember to study why we believe what we believe. But it encourages you to go out and be missional to the world, to the community around us, in order to accomplish the vision that God's given us. Let's close this time in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the reminder of who you are. Thank you for showing us that you have never forsaken us. I thank you for reminding us the importance of knowing what we believe, the importance of the importance of placing ourselves in your hands, in your care. God, move us forward as we advance your kingdom as we advance your vision. Move us forward as we move in your direction while remembering all that you have done in our lives. God, place it on our hearts to do your will to be your church here at Freedom in the same way that in 1890 they were your church here at Freedom as well. God, thank you for the love that you hold for us. Help us to extend that love to the world. It's in your son's name we pray.